Welcome to Alchemy Radio, the home of the open mind. Thank you for tuning in and hopefully you're enjoying the show and the variety of eye and ear opening guests that we bring to you on a regular basis. I've been harping on about it for the last while, but we are about to undergo a number of exciting changes here at Alchemy and we will be increasing our output to air weekly very, very soon. We're completely free, completely non-profit and completely available on demand from alchemyradio.net and iTunes and our listenership is increasing every day, which is great news. The only problem is it's costing more and more money for bandwidth and the likes of that. So what we're doing is appealing to people, if they can at all, to donate whatever little that they could possibly spare. Maybe the price of a cup of coffee every month. That would certainly be enough for us to keep things on air and flowing as smoothly as we would like. So we are relying on donations. And while we don't expect anyone to donate, we gratefully accept anything that you might be able to offer. Check out our new Twitter account, which is twitter.com forward slash Alchemy Radio. We're on Facebook as well. And you can get following and interacting with us with all your feedback, guest suggestions and other input. So on to the show. This week's guest is alternative news blogger and writer Zen Gardner, who runs the massively popular ZenGardner.com website. We're all huge fans of it here at Alchemy Radio. And Zen, it's great to speak to you. How are things? Really good, really good. I'm inspired. A lot of cool things happening in the world, despite all the insanity. The People are waking up. Are. People are awakening up, and you're documenting the awakening on your website, of course. Tell us about the website, why you started it, how it came about, what was the inspiration there? Well, I guess um, my own awakening. Um, I've gone through several periods of uh, change in my life, each one radically different than the one previous to it. And the latest uh, one erupted about eight years ago, and I just said, "That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out. I'm getting in the fray full time. I, I can't stand watching this. I've got a lot of kids and grandkids." Um, Things are too important to stand on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started. And I wanted to just also, in a way, document my own awakening as I was learning and researching and moving into new fields of, of understanding and consciousness. And uh, also, I'm, I know many other people who are writers or bloggers or videographers. You know that as you formulate what you are learning and you're passing it on in a genuine spirit of love and concern and hoping to empower others, um, more comes to you. You you start to channel the information. I'm sure you've experienced that. And it's more comes to you. Things seem to come to your aid. Synchronicities kick in huge. And it's that you get to the point, but you're just, every day is just more fabulous than the one before. And uh, that that's how that, so the site started like that. I had a few ideas. And it morphed on its own, as things do, and uh, has now it's gone. It's gone bonkers. It's traveled all over the place. That's the beauty of the of the internet and the information revolution, as you're aware. That, like somebody told me, that the the power is under the hood. You don't really see what happens when you put things out there on the internet. It's very much like the field of consciousness. 
and things travel 24-7. People in China log into my site like crazy. When I have anything about Fukushima, they use their VPNs, you know, their virtual private networks, because they want to learn about the truth about what's going on in Japan. And I was getting massive storms of hits from, from people in China. Uh, my webmaster told me as he, he kind of tracks some of this. And I, I don't follow that really closely, but I found that fascinating. And but that's pretty much how, how information is traveling. And if you can put it out there and it's good information and you know it's sincere and as well-researched as you can, uh, can make it. And plus, that's why I use my moniker of just wondering. So I don't really know anything more than anybody else. In fact, the more you know, you, the more you realize you don't know, as you're well aware. So, but it's a fabulous dynamic to be part of. And that dynamic is exactly as you describe it. One of the, um, I don't know if it's an analogy, it's probably the wrong word to use, but one, one pattern that I often notice is, as you say, synchronicities, things seem to resonate when they're out there online and come back to you in a different way, in the way that the universe does the very same thing to us, I think. Yes, very much so, very much so. It's almost like instant karma, like John Lennon used to say. That you're, when you put sincere love out there and your consciousness and level of awakening is heightening and heightening as is happening on a massive scale, it starts to come back. And you're not doing it for that reason, but you're sensing this, this um, uh, what do you call it, like an echo of resonance that, that starts to lift you and those around you and it opens up more doors. And that's why I, when I write, I write with a lot of enthusiasm. It's very sincere. I, I, I know anybody can tap into this. And their lives can turn around. They just need to disengage from the matrix. And that's, that's, that's the biggie. Something that ties into that, and I'm very interested in personally, and you've written extensively on it, is terraforming Zen. Now, for those yeah. listeners who may not be familiar with the term, can you tell us a little bit about that? And we'll delve in a bit and see what happens. Well, the scientific application has been used to describe how scientists would um, theoretically go to a, a planet that has been decimated for whatever reason, like Mars, and start to create a climate that would sustain life, either by um, bringing water, precipitating water out of space, um, any one of these geoengineering schemes, which they're now using on Earth, but to, to create a different climate. So similarly, what's happening on our planet, this terraforming is, is a destructive one going on, and a very strange phenomenon that uh, seems to implicate very seriously strange um, forces that are at work on our planet because what's what's happening to us via chemtrailing and all the electromagnetic manipulation um, you know the horrific DNA changes the GMOs uh, I mean it goes on and on vaccines fluoride it's 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 a massive um, debilitation of our planet and it seems to be uh, you could interpret it as this is not not an environment being created that's good for our life form and the question is is it being created for a different life life form that's what a lot of people are theorizing about you know there are there entities that are actually doing this not just corporate greed not just you know insane psychopaths of the of the human kind but is there something else behind this it is actually changing the nature of our planet in a way that's not kind to us, but kind to some other life form. It's, it's a fascinating thought. But when you start connecting the dots in, in any kind of research, you've got to incorporate 
everything. It, it can't be a universe that closes things out. So that's terraforming, if that's clear, is that's what that's about. It's changing the very nature of the planet that you're on, which we're seeing. And it is something that we are seeing, but I know there will be many skeptics out there listening as well who will say, well, chemtrails aren't real or an accident such as Fukushima has been contained and there's no problem there anymore. But uh, this isn't necessarily the case. So let's let's have a look at, first off, what is happening in the environment and what do you think are the key concerns at the moment? What's really changing Earth's environment or atmosphere at the moment? Um, what you just described is, is, in one word, is denial. People... To, to face up to what's really happening on our planet and the seriousness of it would force people to alter the course of their lives. It would, it would force them to alter their paradigm of how they see things. Mm. It forces them to realize there is a they. Things are being engineered by a concerted force with an agenda. It's not haphazard. But to face that is overwhelming for most people. So they, they take on a form of denial where, well, that can't be. So therefore, 9-11... You know, they pancaked. They weren't destroyed like everybody could see with their own eyes. Yeah. You know, all, all these phenomena that we're watching, the chemtrails don't exist. They're natural. But um, that's, that's not worth even debating. People need to go online and just see them for themselves and read the chemicals and the patent applications. And um, they're admitting it now in a futuristic way. You see it in the Daily Mail. Um, they put out these articles periodically, admitting them and saying, oh, they're, you know, because of the atmosphere, or what if we sprayed the skies in order to stop global warming, and what if, just introducing the idea as they always do. But I would say the worst uh, threat right now, and there, there's a number of them, which, which is, can get you down, but the Fukushima situation, I'm sure you're well aware, they're going to try to remove those fuel rods. Mm. And the thing is, one, I think it was Ted Gunderson said, they are packed. It's seriously damaged, and these are very. These are worse than um, any any uh, level of radiation if these things are exposed, and they could also blow up. But but this, it's like trying to remove a cigarette from a crumpled pack of cigarettes, and if one of these things gets exposed to the wrong thing, we could have a, a, a disaster that they say would be fifteen thousand times as bad as uh, Hiroshima, but pumping, you know, not one, one in incident, but pumping into the atmosphere. But already they're saying we're getting levels near that, uh, many people are saying. So it's coming across. Um, they're finding sockeye salmon, you probably saw in the news mm. yes yesterday, that are bleeding out of their eyes and their gills. And uh, the, the Canadian uh, fisheries says, well, we're not sure that's really real and we need to see it for ourselves. So I think one reason people can't accept some of these major disasters, they're expecting the media to pick up the story and that's uh, to, to affirm what they believe. And that's the sad state of the, of the um, mass mind right now. It needs, it needs affirmation from some big brother you know, source to tell you, oh, that's what happened. I think you're completely right. And for those that do start to scratch beneath the surface, there are always a layer, of t a layer or two of kind of uh, disinformation existing, such as in response to Fukushima. I know that um, the FDA increased what was considered the safe level of radiation in food for human consumption. I mean, what was safe on Monday was, was a totally different level to what was safe then on Tuesday. And all of a sudden, what wasn't safe on Monday has become safe. 
and people most people tend to just accept this so okay if if the, uh, the regulatory bodies say that the amount of radiation, for example, in the food is safe, well, then it must be. And the news aren't kicking up a stink and there's nothing on the TV saying that anything is wrong. So I'll just I'll brush that under the carpet and I won't continue to dig any deeper. I think that tends to be the mindset that exists within a lot of people, certainly. Yes, it's, it's very sad, especially when you have loved ones. You've been trying to make them aware at least at some fundamental level of the seriousness. I have friends I grew up with. They work on Wall, Wall Street. They, um, you know, people that are in deep in the uh, New England establishment of business. And they simply come back when I talk about 9-11. They say, well, that they, they would have been all over the news if that was the case. And if that was, you know, we would have heard that. And, you know, they've fallen for the whole stigmatization of anybody who challenges the party line. They're a conspiracy freak. And the exciting side of this, if I can move in that direction for a second, mm. but the, the amount of people, the percentage of people who are catching on now because of the serious situation, for example, people saw that that thing was manipulated. The chemical weapons were coming from Al-Qaeda, which is being supplied by the United States and the rest of NATO. And that came out, obviously. And then Russia checkmated them in, in the chess game of diplomacy the, the people are seeing this really is a lot of crap. They're starting to they're starting to get it, and that's very exciting. But when they trace it backwards, we're I think we're going to see almost like a nuclear reaction amongst people's consciousness when they start connecting the dots, and and hopefully it'll happen before everything blows up. But I've written about this a lot. I'm very concerned that when things do unravel, and they're forced to put everything together. It'll be like, you know, a fusion that uh, causes a, a psychotic reaction in people where they're just going to lose it because they have not faced up to these realities and they're just going to, they're going to become unhinged. And that's why I, I warn people, don't be in big cities, be in safe places, better safe than sorry, you know. But that's, we're up against a very strange psychotic phenomenon in humanity as a result of what we're talking about, this denial and, uh, um, it's really sad. To get back to Fukushima, I have kids in Hawaii and I have kids in Seattle and they're all avid water sports people. Yeah. And I send them articles all the time and they've got, got they have their own kids and, you know, in school situations, they have their jobs and, but they read the, they read the articles I send. They're seeing some of the alternative information, but they say, you know, dad, I, we can't see too much of this because we have to be here. That's sort of a thing. And, that, you know, it breaks my heart, of course. But already I've got a grandson who surfs in Oahu. He's got sores all over his body. He gets sick, uh, flu-like symptoms consistently. Um, my daughter's trying to keep him out of the water, but he's an avid surfer. He always he makes his way out there. Um, I've got a son, that, a paddler, who's in Seattle, and he's, uh, he's been sick more than he's been healthy. And the guy, you've never seen a more healthy-looking specimen. And... Uh, it's 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 sad. It's it, people are frozen in their situations, which, which contributes to this sense of denial. So yeah. that, I'm kind of describing a dynamic, but it's what we're up against. So if people are experiencing that kind of I can't handle this. It's worth plowing through. It's worth being aware. Knowledge is empowerment. I don't care how dark it is. That's why you you know when you get into the alternative media and alternative knowledge, you start to realize just how dark and ugly these parasitic forces are that are on our planet um it can seem pretty ugly but 
you always find the opposite side. I don't know anybody in the uh, who's discovered this alternative awakening that is not incredibly spiritual. You know what I mean? Every you find it in almost everybody. There's hardly anyone that they don't they don't just stick with any kind of a political, yeah. um, you know, black and white, whatever you want to call it, a viewpoint anymore. You can't, but you end you end up like people shouldn't be afraid to learn about these things because you will you will see on the other side the counterpart is much more empowering, much more wonderful. We are discovering you know our our true nature, and it, that's why they're trying to put our lights out. That's why they're, they're giving us genetically modified food. That's why there's fluoride in the water to, uh, you know, cal- calcify our pineal gland. That, that's why they do these things, to put us out. But they can't. The awakening is rolling. I mean, I'm feeling great, and I'm getting chemtrailed like heck, like everybody else. I do what I can to stay healthy and, you know, eat healthy. But I'm getting it too. But it's the, the, con- the, the power of consciousness, the power of this of this awakening to what we our true nature and what we can tap into is so powerful nothing can really stop it and i I hope people can find that empowerment and not be scared away from some of this dark information that uh, that seems to be you know what somebody who's new to this information says oh you people talk about all this doomsday stuff Mm. well they're not really seeing the whole picture they don't hear you got to see you got to go through it that's why each of my articles, I like to end them up with, you know, hey, you know, as dark as this is and as uh, ugly as this is that's going on that we're, we're learning to see in its, in its full reality, there's a wonderful alternative. But it does take commitment to wake up. You have to be willing to step out of the matrix. You've got to, it might mean leaving your job. It might mean leaving your neighborhood. At the very least, it, it means leaving your old mindset behind. And then one step at a time, things start to appear like through life signs, synchronicities, wonderful things. But if you're not free to follow those signs, then it's not going to be able to lead us to where we're supposed to be and go, both spiritually and physically. So it's, um, it takes some steps. It takes a little courage. But really, it's, it's just a matter of being awake and being, uh, being honest with yourself, with what you're learning. And being committed to love. I mean, do it for other people if we don't do it for ourselves. Do it because other people need us. Do it because your, your kids and your grandkids are going to grow up in a hellish techno world where their, their humanity is going to be stripped. And if we don't do everything we can to avert that and divert from it and wake up as many as we can, we, ha- we have failed. And we're, we're not going to have a, a happy after place where we go next it's it's we're going to be very sad people if we don't activate this is our last chance i agree 100 percent. and you mentioned the black and white political paradigm um when you were speaking there zen and it's very interesting because i think a lot of people will side with a black or a white uh, or be it a blue or a red when it comes to politics or whatever it might be and then some people who start to question um i would include myself in years gone by with this would have looked at the grey area and said, everything isn't black and white, there is a grey area there. But I think when somebody undergoes uh, the, the, a big transforming change in their life or they start to awaken, it goes beyond that. And beyond that black and white and that grey area, there is actually a full spectrum of colour and they're on either side of the black and white. So rather than looking between the black and white, which is a narrow uh, kind of a paradigm, I think if people look beyond that and break down those barriers, suddenly we can see this this amazing colourful spectrum and that's where spirituality comes in and that's when openness and love and 
harmony with with nature, the universe, and other people comes in, and that I suppose is the uh, is the key to to being happy and to everything going the way we want them to go. It's to break down the walls of that paradigm that has been created for us over thousands and thousands of years, and I think there's almost like a default mindset in the world, certainly in the Western world at this point, that people have to exist within that black and that white, but it's not necessarily the case at all. Well said, John. Well said. That's so true. There's a there's that some of these um, psychological concepts can help digest what people are up against in, in the way that they bombard us with their misinformation and the misdirection and this black and white looking thing like the famous Masonic checkerboard. They want to keep us. That's almost like the best. That checkerboard is almost like the barcodes of the Masonic um, matrix. Mm. It, 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 they try to keep us in that that frequency. Whereas, like you said, light has infinite frequencies, and even light itself is part of a greater frequency. But even just light, all we see in visible light is a very small band. But what what they try to do is, they, as you know, they, it's called cognitive dissonance. And people, if they're not familiar with it, um, you, um, look it up, learn about it. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's what it does is you've got the black and the white, the right and the left, and neither one of them usually is right or true and people know that and they're but they're forced to choose between them or you're told one is right and one is wrong whereas the opposite is true or something well you're forced to synthesize a third point of view and i think that could be like the gray you're talking about in in an, in the negative sense where people are forced into this fuzzy way of seeing things where they're they're forced to make sense out of a world that doesn't make sense you know Obama stands up there and, you know, says one thing and does the exact opposite. He's done it for six years now, whatever it is. And you see that in politics all day long. People have learned just to accept it. It wears you down. But what people do is they're synthesizing this false, false world. And that's why it's so gray and hard, to, hard for people to put their finger on. What is it exactly that, that's bothering them? And that's why I think it's important. People need to read. They need to find uh, reliable authors, reliable um, websites, reliable researchers, to learn to pull apart these things, to be able to see see through this mush, this grid that they're pumping out there that's, that's creating the, the mindless masses that we're witnessing today that, that aren't getting it. And a lot of them, you wonder, boy, can they get it? It's You start to lose a little hope there because it's so far gone. They're so drugged and so so caught in this, in this phoniness. But uh, what you're saying is really true, I'll tell you. Yeah, and it's really true. I know there are probably a lot of people out there wondering, well, what what's the ultimate end game then for the powers that be in inverted commas then? Well, these guys, it's you know, they don't need money. If they needed money, they would have retired to an island and had their martinis somewhere on on the beach. It's 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 power. It, there's a control issue, and um, you can read it. It's documented through the ages. Well, especially the last, I guess, ten decades. Um, these through eugenics, through um, which is you know, culling the population or creating the population or only allowing the good part of the population to survive, and culling away or redesigning the other part of the population into a subservient force that will actually love its slavery. Now this is documented. Aldous Huxley said it. Yep. His brother said it. I mean. Um, you've got authors throughout the ages. H.G. Wells talked about it. He made books about it. They, they talk to each other through these analogous um, fictional novels. 
and that we're supposed we sort of get, but we don't really because they're actually literal. Mm-hmm. But they're 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 trying to create a world um, with centralized control and a centralized theme, a centralized religion, and they talk about it. You hear, you watch it in the news. I don't know how many times Kissinger said New World Order or the Bushes or whatever, and it's, it's getting to where it's almost trite. But it, the idea is centralized control and the the population whatever's which which according to the georgia guidestones and other other people or the ted turners of the world they'll say we want the population reduced about a half a million uh, half a billion people or whatever the number is because it's too many people so therefore they they are in charge to bring down the population so you've got the the bill gates of the world in africa shooting everybody up and killing them with vaccines and other parts of the world and releasing insects with with all kinds of uh, weird things, uh, uh, injecting people. Then now you've got this this uh, nanotech where they can spray. They've got a gun now. I don't know if you saw it in the news. They've got a gun that shoots a pellet, like a paint gun, paintball gun. Mm-hmm. It'll hit a protester and it marks him with a DNA so that he can be tracked. Wow. wow. I mean, it, it, and that's what we're seeing you know, in public. Who knows what they've already got? These with these kinds of weapons they have from outer space and the EMF grid that, um, you know, plays with your, with your uh, mental fre- frequencies. <clears throat> it's a, there's a lot of things when people wake up and see all the different things they're trying to do to put it, put our lights out. You have that reverse effect I'm talking about. You go, Hey, they are really afraid of us. We must really be something. What am I not seeing in this? And that's when the empowerment starts to kick in and uh, people are doing it and, it's a fascinating time. I'm kind of running around the barn here, but uh, I'm kind of rambling, but I hope it's making sense. No, it's making complete sense. And one topic I wanted to talk about was philanthropy. You mentioned Bill Gates there, and we hear about these multi-billionaires all the time in the media, and these guys who have made their fortunes one way or another, be it weapons, be it computers, be it uh, these oligarchs with oil in Russia, wherever. And we often hear these stories about such and such a person, maybe Mark Zuckerberg, I think was maybe the most recent one, who has donated 92% of his personal fortune to charity. And that's all we hear. We see the headline. And then when you look a little bit deeper, you see that Mark Zuckerberg has actually donated 92% of his billions to the Mark Zuckerberg Foundation. And then when you look at where that money is allocated within the Mark Zuckerberg Foundation, you look at this almost conglomerate and it tends to filter down to... Uh, to Agenda 21 type schemes or um, in the case of Bill Gates, obviously this mass vaccination program. And suddenly you're wondering, how can this necessarily be a charity? And again, it's the media spin. Let's talk about philanthropy and I suppose the positive spin that the general public has on these guys, but where the money's actually going and what the agenda is there, because it does tie in with what you've been speaking about. Yeah, well, the philanthropy and charity scam, it's gone back for eons. You look at these things called foundations, and then people get the warm and fuzzies. Oh, he started a foundation. Isn't that wonder wonderful? Well, the Ford Foundation and uh, these different think tanks that sound like, oh, they're trying to help humanity. These are the places that, that are designing, they're social engineers and insane uh, scientists designing this world that they're now trying to impose on us it's a bunch of hooey gates um started his thing and what's his name threw in a whole bunch too right warren buffett yeah and uh he, he bought five hundred thousand shares of monsanto right out of the gate it made, it made a packet these are tax-free organs these things are saving them packets of money 
And, and within those charities and foundations, they invest their money and they make bank on it. It's, it's a complete scam. And anybody can research that and find it out for themselves. But this, this image, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates, and they come out all smarmy with their, with their little smiles, and we're going to go give this and give that. But really, Gates' dad, as you, as you well know, he started um, Planned Parenthood. Yep. That was his, his father. And he's had money in, money in his family for ages. And he's, uh, it's also suspect about him starting Microsoft. That these things don't just happen like that in somebody's garage. And uh, how he got that, you know, handed this whole thing, but it's it's a it's a it's a eugenics um, based movement. All of uh, the elites are in this thing. The eugenics, you know, this culling, excuse me, culling of the herd and um, creating whoever's left, sort of like according to the Huxley and the Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, and uh, you know, Epsilon people who are different, varying degrees of dumbed down drones to do the menial tasks in the world to come they actually believe this stuff this is in their plans this is what they're doing in those foundations that people think are so so wonderful eugenics was going on in, in uh, germany during world war ii in in uh, the universities there being studied uh, before hitler started doing anything it was all pre-planned and that was actually sponsored by the rockefellers they, it's a, it was all American-based. Eugenics was huge in the States before, I think even before World War I. And then till finally when they were, you know, giving people lobotomies and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, there was a public outcry and they went underground. But they're still doing it. That's what trans, transhumanism is all about. Now, if you, if you add mechanics, this, all this techno stuff into the human body or control it by that, it's another way of, of creating this new race that, that kids are falling in love with. They think it's the coolest thing since sliced bread. You know, wow, I get a chip in my brain and I'll be high all the time. Like the Soma of Aldous Huxley. And it's a, it's a trap. It's a trick. And uh, you watch kids now sitting around on their little, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's the old saw, but everybody can see it. The, the takeover of, of, of technocracy, it's, it's extremely frightening. And it's very interesting to observe as well when we see it uh, through, say, Hollywood or the entertainment industry and how this soft sell has constantly been going on through science fiction and how transhumanism or people merging with robots is seen as superhuman. When I'm firmly of the belief myself that the, the only superhumans out there are you, you and me, for example. I mean, we, we have within us this, this innate superhuman power that we have forgotten about but a lot of people are beginning to remember and to rediscover and uh, to kind of get what it's all about. And to me, if, if I was in, if I was, say, one of these guys uh, who was looking to, to control a population of 7 billion people who have this superhuman strength and are starting to wake up to it, my worst nightmare is for them to actually gather some kind of head of steam or organize in some way. So if I have the power of the media or the power of Hollywood or whatever it might be, of course, I'm going to sell them this idea that, well, we're, we're insignificant compared to machines or compared to combining ourselves with machines. And I think so many people are buying into that. I think increasingly people are seeing through the, uh, the, the veil of Hollywood, if you like, and seeing beyond the matrix and what, what things are actually like. But there is still a huge swathe of population who will religiously go to every single blockbuster and watch it with a completely closed mind but an open subconscious and who are taking on board all these subliminal messages that are going on every single day of the week with regard to a transhuman agenda and where the future is going to take us and i think that makes it for example then when when the first chips are rolled out 
people will be far more open to accepting them. And that, that's really, really bad news for humanity. Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's part of their soft kill. You know, they're moving on every front. It's, um, but I, I find this one the, the most um, threatening as well because people are, number one, giving up their will and disempowering consciously while ex- get, expecting empowerment from, from some you know, mechanical mechanism that's going to be programmed by somebody else. It's the ultimate picture of, of disempowerment. What, what, what's other, something that triggered the, what you were saying in my mind also is that this awakening that's happening. I think f- people are actually learning that they're di- discovering psychic abilities and mm. they're, they're getting a little, a, little, a little alarmed, I'm finding in my readers, that they're going through, through some like, what is this? Are you feeling this? Are you sensing that? And we have a great community on, on my website of people that... that uh, that spend time together and share very deeply from their hearts. But we find we're finding a lot of people are waking up to new abilities, new psychic awareness. Um, dreams are getting more lucid. Um, they're, they're, they're sensing um, changes in themselves that they never sensed before. And it can seem a little alarming. I wrote an article about this called about, you know, riding the cosmic seas. Cause it, it's, mm-hmm. It's a wild time we're in. It's it's something that's very real. It's not it's not imaginary. We're spiritual beings, first of all, whether people acknowledge it or not. And these changes that the Earth is going through, not just the the physical changes and the magnetic field and the sun now, the magnetic field of the sun is going to shut down for two months, which is a radical thing. It's every eleven years, but during that time, there's all kinds of freaky things happen. The Earth's magnetic field is reducing, which has another big effect. We're seeing a lot of tectonic activity. Um, there's schools of thought, and I, I, I agree that the Earth is expanding. It's getting more energy from from the from the center of the galaxy. So the Earth is actually expanding, and it always has been expanding. Uh, that's another thing we've been taught a lie about about that the tectonic plates and all this stuff. In my opinion, but we're we're seeing those physical things, and we've got this other force trying to screw things up through electromagnetic fields you know through all this genetic crap they're doing and um and trying to create a one world government and clamp down exact the exact opposite of what nature is doing and so people are feeling both things and they don't know how what to, what how to discern what you know what i mean so there there is a sense of confusion if people are not making an effort to really understand what's going on you won't be able to tell one from the other you won't be able to tell good from bad and that we're seeing that in the youth now. And you see it in the social engineering. I mean, like this, what was that, Miley Cyrus insanity? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just debasing herself. And I didn't watch it, but I read the news about it. I mean, it's like, you know, and then people say, oh, it's cute. Or that's just her, you know, or it's just part of the culture. And I've got grandkids. And they, they're they starting to dress like tarts. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it affects them, you know, the, the Lady Gagas and all this stuff. These are just outcroppings of this spiritual thing I'm talking about. This, this degradation, this, this geoengineering or terraforming, I guess to bring it back to that, it's not just physical. It's, it's number one, spiritual, and it, it pops out in our social environment, in all this very weird sexuality, the debasement of the woman, the, um, you know, the loss of the mother figure, the, you know, the, the macho male violent uh, meme the the child abuse. I mean the horrific things going on, but people are forced to take it on board and 
process it as if, well, this is society, therefore it's reality. Well, it might be one form of reality, but it doesn't have to be yours. You know, people need to need to know that, that they're not subject to these things just because they're getting hit by them. So it's an interesting dichotomy going on, in my opinion. There's People are sensing both sides, but I think people are being given more energy, more more vibrational um, juice right now, just like our planet is, to rise above the the insanity, the confusion that's being foisted on on our planet. And I think it's a cool time. If you're up to a good fight, it's a great time. If you're not, it's gonna it's gonna seem like a bummer. But I'll tell you what, it's it's pretty simple. I don't think it's all that complicated. I agree. I think I the agree. simplicity is what baffles a lot of people in most cases <laughs> because something so profound. I think there is an assumption there that, oh, well, it's got to be complicated and I'm not up for something complicated because I have the mundanity of everyday life and I have to feed the kids and I have to go to work or whatever it might be. And when in reality, it's actually quite simple and it's all within. It's that we need to look within rather than without. It's from without. That's that's where the, the negative external influences are coming. But if we look to within, I think there is a huge amount of positivity. And you mentioned vibrational changes. There is undoubtedly, to my mind, a vibrational change going on at the moment. I mean, the, the amount of people who are open to not just information, but open to new frequencies or new um, new discussion. And they're just a more awake type of person around me in my personal environment. And I think that's being mirrored and reflected all over the world, certainly from the feedback I'm getting, um, whether I'm traveling or whether it's to do with the radio show or whatever it might be. It, there, there is most definitely a big, big change happening, which leads me on to the next question as to whether you think there will be a schism, whether some people will be left behind, whether some people just will never be open to change, it's too far for them. And what what will happen if there is a schism or if there is a divide? Good question. <laughs> Good question. I don't, I, I think it's, well, I don't like people thinking, I think it's dangerous to think in terms of, uh, you know, the cavalry's coming. That's, that's that we're going to be, we're going to be saved out of the situation um, in any way, shape, or form. If we do our part, I believe universe will meet us and um, in, in every way it can. But as far as a schism, uh, there already is one. I mean, this, this, the spiritual breakaway is, has happened. Whether, it's, whether, it's a, whether a 3D is going to separate from 5D and there's, you know, it, it's going to literally pass away like that, in some form and fashion, I think so. If if only after this physical existence is over, we 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 move on to where we're going to move on, and there, karma is a very real thing. Otherwise, moral a sense of, a sense of morality makes no sense at all. It would just be chaos, which which is what the this entropic force of the uh, of the dark side is. It just says there is no morals, there is no nothing. I just want to eat your energy. And whereas we, as living as human conscious beings, we know there's something much more wonderful and beautiful. We're connected to source, which is creative, which grows. I mean, it has all kinds of processes. Sure, there's destruction in it too. There's breakdown of organisms and recreation. But this other other energy, this anti-energy, they, they call it entropy. It, it's breaking down uh, the wonderful organization of things that makes the, for this creative existence and all the beautiful the art of nature and the, the fascination of your mind and all these, the, your imagination. But um, that, the fact that that war is going on, 
it's a very real war and that some people see it in terms of the, you know, the biblical or Judeo-Christian, you know, good and evil thing. I mean, they have that in the Vedas as well. And in, and in China, a lot of, you know, the, the early spiritual teachings do talk about this duality, this sort of conflict that's going on, but that ultimately it's, it's all united, mm. but still we are making real decisions. We have within our bodies, the white blood cells are trying to, fight off the, the germs that are breaking down our bodies. The, the war we're in is very real. So I, we can't over-spiritualize it and just sit on a rock and say, universe, everything is great. And meanwhile, there's a, a bulldozer about to take you out. You, there's, we, we have a very real social responsibility, and that's what people can't shirk or over-spiritualize, which is what the New Age movement's all about. It's, it's, it's more disinformation to, to de, uh, disempower the, the spiritual sense of people that what pushes them into a whole new apathetic religious mindset. And uh, um, anyway, I digress there, but this, this schism has to do with this struggle and people's response to it, where it's going. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't presume to know, but I know spiritually that there is a wonderful Vista when you're awake and aware and you're moving according to source and you're living in synchronicity, you have hope beyond hope. It's just wonderful. It's not even hope. I don't like that word. It's, it's a knowledge. You know that the, you are moving towards the right direction. And others who are not, you can't help. Well, they're not moving. So, well, are they going to get recycled and have another time, another chance next life? And are there many parallel worlds that where people, you know, are, are sort of recycled over and over until they finally wake up? and learn to make conscious decisions? And do the others move on to other worlds? I mean, after all, we know there's infinite variety of, of possibility. So um, it's, it's, it's fun to think about. And I believe, well, I know that there's, there's all possibility. There's, there's nothing but um, wonderfulness out there. But it does not excuse us from our, our ability and need to respond to the situation in front of us. And that's where um, I find this particular time in history absolutely thrilling. And I think and as people, I, people are tapping into that, they're sensing it. They go, hey, I can be part of this. Whether I write music, whether I blog, whether I just email the crap out of stuff that I find and get it to people, uh, whether I, I go tap people on the shoulder or pass out flyers about chemtrails, every little thing can lead you to this to this a greater sense of the, the wonder that we're already in. It's not, it's not even a question of the future. We're already there, as you're well aware. That there, is no, there is no future in that sense. But the social responsibility of it, I think, is um, something that can easily be um, lost if, when, we, when people get into this idea of the shift and we're just going to be, some people are going to be kind of drift off one way and someone else another. Maybe when the time comes, but you get what I'm saying? I do totally. It reminds me a little bit of, um, of being brought to a theme park, for example. And the, mm. the child who has wanted to go on a roller coaster all their lives and they've just, there, there hasn't been a roller coaster in their town and they haven't had a car and they haven't had somebody who could bring them there. But one day... Somebody comes along, let's say an uncle comes along and visits the child and says, look, we're going to go to uh, Disney World and we're going to go on Space Mountain, the roller coaster or whatever. And the child is delighted and they're brought to Space Mountain and they're put in the queue and the uncle just disappears. And the child realizes, um, well, hang on, I've no money here. So 
I'm just going to stand in the queue and wait for my uncle to come back. And mm. even though they're at Space Mountain and they have been brought to it and they have been facilitated in a way, um, they don't realize that it's actually free to go on Space Mountain this day. And because they stay rooted to the spot, they never get to go on Space Mountain, even though it's right before them. And I think that's where the personal responsibility comes in. If that child had decided to actually keep going in the queue and to just ask somebody or to inquire as to whether it was possible to go on it, regardless of whether they had money or this obstacle, perceived obstacle in their way, well, then they would have got to go on the roller coaster. And I think what's what's coming down the tracks or what is already here for us is this roller coaster. It's staring us in the face. Should we choose to get on or not? And I think the the big decision for us all is, do we take the responsibility and actually hop on or do we just kind of stand at the sideline and allow distractions or perceived obstacles to get in the way. That, that's, that's what I'm picking up from what you're saying, Zen. Well, that's a beautiful analogy. It's the, it's, have you heard the expression, the majesty of free will? Yeah. It, if people knew, if, I mean, you never quite know it, but to discover what, what we are, what we have, that we're, we're able to make decisions and make changes and respond. I mean, how many people have you met um, since getting more and more awakened, just by contacting them, you contacted me, and now we have a wonderful friendship. Where yeah. where you know, we we find we brothers find each other, and you just you're connected forever. And how many people have you met like that? Just by you know, you're reaching out. You you have an active arm that's that's, and that's what empowers you. That's what inspires you. And a lot of people, like you said, they're standing in the queue. And they've been given every opportunity, and they they don't realize that they've got to move their own one foot after the other. Just start walking, and it does start with baby steps when it comes to anything. But I know for me, what came to mind while you were talking is is getting in touch with different people, and I've I've I'm now friends with many wonderful researchers, and they're they're my best friends of life. They mm. and we share our hearts together, and it's a, and it's a, it's a a bond that is remarkably uh, empowering and uh, loving and sometimes I'll have a question about something I'm sure you have friends like that and you go are you sensing this or what did you get from this thing does this, this something that doesn't look like what it really is you know yeah, like this yeah. whole the Iranian thing going to war in Iran is it just a charade so they can keep hiding Palestine getting getting creamed or is it you know is it just part of the same old fear meme like these these things these the there's an earthquake shakeout now in the States at the same time as all these grid drills and they're going to shut down the power. And like, do they, do they really care about the, the people that they're doing all these things to protect them? No, they're doing it just to create the, the atmosphere of fear and move in their controls. They're doing it in Puerto Rico. I just heard they're, they're putting warnings on television and those troops all over the streets moving. And they've got the old FEMA trailers and FEMA coffins and people are freaking out. They go, what's going on? What's going on? And they're creating this, whether something's going to happen or not. And you start to go, wow, I guess it's going to happen. And I guess it's supposed to or whatever, but the, they, they're creating this climate. And similarly, um, I think to draw to the same level we've been talking at, if, if people can't separate themselves from this climate, that whether it's just BS television. I mean, don't watch it at all. Don't listen to the radio and at all. Listen to blog uh, podcasts, but one ad can screw up your day. Just the spirit of the way they talk. Just you know, one you know, staring at the wrong thing for too long can infect your mind. It, it, it is that toxic. Yeah, we need to get that separate. We do need to get clean and 
you know, it's not a question of self-sanctification. It's, it's common sense. You'd stop drinking poison if you want to feel better. And it's, it's pretty much like that. It's that we have to get that, mil- that militant about it. And it takes one step at a time. I moved out of the States. I'm down in Latin America now. I'm free as a bird. I don't have the old fear of driving around. I was in Texas. They're getting stopped all the time by the cops. Um, you never know when the clampdown's coming. You're living on the defensive. Yeah. So for me, and I lived down here before. I love it down here. We got down here. And I've got a place ready. When my kids are ready, they can come to it. That was a step for me. And it shocked a lot of people. I talked about it, and I did it. And then everybody was shocked. Like, what, what, what? Well, that's only because of the implication on your life. Now, if you're supposed to be where you are, you should have no worries. If you're not or you're not sure, you better find out. And that goes for people in every walk of life, whether it's a, a kid in college or somebody living at home or, or living in the, with, with the wrong people or living in an overpopulated area. We're, we're coming to zero hour here and people sense it, but they can't just sit there with cement shoes on and not do anything. That's consciousness reacting. And that's the guy in the line. If he's conscious, he'll move his feet. Or he'll talk to, like you said, he'll talk to the guy next to him and say, hey, um, do you need money here? Like you gotta take, you gotta get over your pride is what it is. People are so self-conscious, all weenied out, who am I? That's just disempowerment. They're all manifestations of the same things that were stripped away by social engineering. And as soon as you start manifesting one decision, one leg here, your muscles come alive and things start happening. And that's what I hope to convey to people when I write, when I communicate. I mean, I talk to people. I'm, I'm a pain in the neck if I'm out and I'm watching the chemtrails. I'll sort of nudge somebody and I'll say, um, I used to do this all the time in, in, uh, in Texas where they were so, so uh, blatant about it. Here they kind of float them in from another place. But um, I pointed them out to a guy who was managing a place we were staying. And he's going, huh? He's listening. You know, he's very, he was pleasant. He liked me. We talked about other things. Mm. And he said, he said what, are, what are they for? I said, well, there's a lot of theories, you know, that's for to, you know, mitigate global warming is one thing they're, they're claiming. Yeah, I said, you can read the patents online. I said, nobody, they're not admitting they're doing it, but you can see for yourself and watch them spread out. Yeah. So he was kind of quiet and he, they didn't talk to me again for a few weeks. And then one day he came up, he said, you know what? He's all excited. He says, I was sitting in the backyard watching those lines in the sky. And I pointed that out to my wife and she said, oh yeah, those are horrible. All the beekeepers in the area are complaining about those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this is a straight Texan, you know, he was stepping into the wild blue yonder just by acknowledging what I was saying. Yeah. But then he brought it up to his wife and all of a sudden, and, and then everything else we talked about, and I tend, to, I tend to run the gamut, all of a sudden everything else came alive. And that was just from sowing some seeds. And everybody can do that. Anybody can do that. Any way they, any way they, any way they can. Like we were talking, if you can blog, blog. I, I encourage people and new writers all the time. Come on, put something together. You've got a real gift. Say it and I'll publish it. And they go, holy cow, I, I can make a difference? Yes, that's the whole point. And people need to discover that empowerment. They need to activate it any way they can. And I, I think your analogy is perfect. And it's perfect. What you say about making a little difference is very important as well because it's one of the reasons I have such an issue with the cult of celebrity and how that that vicarious living through celebrity has been pushed and promoted over the last 50 years in, in Western culture because I think it's become so ingrained in people's minds and in their immediate consciousness that 
they're small and insignificant in comparison to the chosen ones. So be it a movie star or a pop star or whatever it might be, a politician, that they can't make any kind of a change. Whereas every change begins at home and the change has to be in yourself. And all of a sudden your perception will change. And the example you gave there of the guy and his wife and um, how suddenly everything opened up and everything became possible to discuss different types of things. I've seen that on an almost daily basis over the last, particularly the last year to six months. Um, yeah. the, the, the number of people I can speak to, for example, again, chemtrails are a good one because we're constantly bombarded here in Ireland of late. Chemtrails are a good one. And two years ago, if I said anything about a chemtrail, I would be laughed at and ridiculed. Whereas the vast majority of my immediate peer group, and it's not because I speak to them about conspiracy theory, to use that term, or that kind of thing. It's not that they're devout alchemy radio listeners. It's that they're looking up and they're seeing, hang on a minute, something's not quite right. And they're running with that. And the more that they hear people talking about it, the more they are willing to look into it. And they look to themselves then, eventually, as opposed to the outward-looking, um, vicarious uh, lifestyle that so many people have been living for the last while. And I think the more that this, this celebrity lifestyle is pushed, it will have a, a twofold effect. Number one, I think initially it drags people on board and they love it, but people get very bored of it as well. And there is a saturation point for everybody. And I think when people do become bored, and I think we're seeing that now with X Factor this and Kardashian that or whatever it might be, I think a lot of people are starting to be turned off by it by how vacuous it is, essentially, and they will start to look elsewhere. And I think that's where there's a big, big hope for people, because if they can grip that vibrational change and grab it by the balls, so to speak, well, then they're Mm -hmm. going to empower themselves and do it really quickly. Yeah, there's an expression. You can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. They they can't help but trip over and fall on their own swords. Eventually... This whole thing's going to crumble. We know that. We just like to see it happen sooner than later. This, it can't stand. It can't stand the light of truth. It's, it's going to collapse. It always does. You look at the empires of old. They all came tumbling down. What, really well said about saturation. I, that's, that's really well put. People will start to get it when they get fed up enough. Um, what you're saying, too, about empowerment, people think they can't do anything. Well, where do people think Gandhi started? Was he, was he told, you're going to be Mahatma Gandhi? Mm. When, when he's 14 and you must study and do this and you must study and do that. And um, he was a lawyer in South Africa. He, be, he became a lawyer. And, and as he did, and he went to apartheid and all that, it made him an activist. He, somewhere along the line, got ticked enough to where I, I, I want to change this system. Then, then, then he wanted to take that to India and he went to India. He was a lawyer. That's how he started. And he just acted responsibly. And he eventually became the, the force for change that he did. Martin Luther King, he wasn't told, you're going to be Martin Luther King. Um, you must study this book, that book, memorize these quotations, and here's your first speech. Now, on the other hand, the royals do that as a, as a counterfeit. They bring up their kid on a red pillow, and they, they say he's going to be this person, they, and they teach him how every, everything to do because they're the usurpers. They're not the real thing. They didn't come from creation. They came from this other mental invasive force, where, where, wherever the hell it comes from. And that's a, it's a good, you think about those two, Gandhi versus, you know, Prince Charles, one of those morons, those pedophiles. It's the, the contrast is overwhelming. But who, do, who does the world honor more? In their hearts, they honor Gandhi. But, the, but in their minds and their attention, 
and in their suck suck up sycophancy, they 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 want the royals because somehow they're caught into that matrix, and you, you promote them, and it's going to drag you along somehow. But but that people start from nothing. They they start from from just getting active. And one and you, how many people had a either a life changing experience, maybe a life after death experience, maybe an uh, an encounter with a UFO. Some people get abducted. Um, some people have um, see loved ones um, die from, let's say, from vaccines. Activists are born every day, but it doesn't have to be traumatic. And it just needs to be taking the signal that, like, if, that you just hear something, you you know what? That's true. I need to do something. And you take one step, and you're going to find out. Next thing you know, you're on that on the way up the magic mountain. It's that simple, and it's it's nothing fancy about it. I, I, no, I'm. I'm just a, I'm just, I just do what I do like you do. And I love what I do. I'm, 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 but I'm, I say it passionately because I think it's really important. And I, I, I think people need to know how, like you said, how easy it is and how empowered they can be and how much their lives can have meaning and excitement and joy like they've never imagined. But it does come with a price. You can't have, you sit around, watch the Kardashians and so called reality TV. And then go out and talk about chemtrails. You, you shouldn't be watching it. You should be out talking about them all day or something. You know, it, it's a time for action. And when you catch that, universe picks, picks you up. Somehow you're going to find a way that's going to... I started with hardly anything when I started doing this. And somehow finances would show up. I had some savings. But I, I actually went through a, a thing where I, everything I had I got, got taken by the banks. I went through that whole thing and... Yeah, I, and I, I honestly said, you know what? That was the best thing that ever happened. And people think I'm think I'm in denial. I said, no, no. It got me back to 100 percent commitment. I was doing it part time, and I wasn't right. And the hour was late, and it's an emergency. And uh, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And uh, that's that's how it works. But people need to know one step at a time. And it does come down to that every cloud having a silver lining. I mean. Mm-hmm. Quite often it is a crisis that precipitates the biggest change and the most positive change in us. I've experienced um, that a couple of times in my life. It has often taken a crisis for me to change for the better. And I, I've noticed that in quite a number of people as well. And um, yeah, I think what can often seem as complete doom and gloom, I mean, it's, it's inherent in us to rise from the ashes and to become bigger and stronger and better than we were before, as long as we allow ourselves to do that. Yeah, that's right. Allow ourselves. It's a, uh, it's very, very things are small decisions that are very big fulcrums in our lives. They're 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 turning points. If it's just like I've met a, a people that they made it a point in their life to go talk to people that they admire to see if they're really what they're like that, and to ask them questions. Mm-hmm. How did you get here? I want to be where you are. You know, you've heard a lot of people. This is what they did. They say, I want to I want to be a so and so. You know, they go and they go meet the musician or they meet so-and-so or, or my wife and I, we've gone to see a lot, of, a lot of these conferences to actually meet people that we were watching online to see if, you know, just see what they, what they tasted like, you know, is this the real deal? Yeah. Who's who, what's the atmosphere, you know, instead of just being an observer, we went and jumped in and participated and, and uh, that moved us along, but you have to be willing to, you know, get on the airplane and go to the, go watch David Icke speak or go, you know, act on it and stop doing what you are doing in order to do that. Mm-hmm. That's the key. You've got to be able to give up the, the rut you're in for at least a while until you get your engine turned over 
And then you find out, man, this is one powerful bike I'm on. I can, I can wail down the highway, you know? Yeah, again, I can fully relate to that as well. And quite often we will be disappointed when we, when we do get on the plane or whatever it might be and we go and speak to somebody who we had looked up to or whatever. But again, there is learning in that, I think, because it just shows that quite often it's our perception of what somebody is selling to us that, uh, that can trip us up. It can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. And that's why I think it's very important often to follow a gut instinct as opposed to um, what's coming from the external, what we're being told or what our heads are being filled, filled with. Because I would have been a very, I would have always followed my head in the past and it got me in a lot of trouble. Whereas I found that since I've learned to follow my heart a little bit more and to get my head and heart in line, well, things become much, much easier and the path widens instead of narrowing and the, the possibilities that open up and the snowball effect that we experience is quite profound. And it certainly has been in my experience anyway. I think a lot of people will, uh, will be able to relate to that. Yes, completely. I have, uh, for sure, the going to meet people. We went to a few expos that were uh, um, eye-openers. Our best, our best experiences were the people we met who were also attending just to sort of look around and, and uh, you know, taste the taste these things but there's so much hunger for celebrity inside of a lot of this other stuff you just mm. i just turns me right off anybody who's a self self-promoting and and self-adoring and you know gets it just loves the limelight i i just i'm just turned off immediately say come on there isn't time for this foolishness don't don't mislead people i, I get upset about it and i'll uh, walk away from it but yeah there's all kinds there's all kinds and you you can't judge surface by surface either I'll tell you what, what really speak is words. Words are, are pretty powerful. You can get to know somebody from their words. You, their personality can distract, but their words can really, really bring it home. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, Sen? Well, if, um, I'll give you an example. My, uh, my wife and I, was, um, I was married before, and a wonderful woman. We're still close. She's the mother of my kids. But my, uh, my, my, uh, my wife now, we've been together 20 years, and we'd fallen in love and gotten really close. Um, we were living in California, and I had to go to Washington or Virginia, I think, to, uh, for about a year. Mm. And we had just gotten to know each other and, and really you know, were just super attracted. And we fell so deeply in love through email getting to know each other just by words and responses with no distractions. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, very interesting. We, 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 we knew each other. You see this a lot nowadays, people finding each other by the internet, and I don't necessarily endorse it. Hope, you know, there's a time for everything. Mm. But we, we were stuck with that. But we got so close getting to know each other by our words. And it was a fascinating experience. But it, it taught me such a deep thing. But you think about that, how do you know you know, these great people, we're never going to meet Mahatma Gandhi. Maybe there's a few videos of him, but we don't, we won't really be able to sit with him and interact with him personally, yeah. but you know him by his words and his actions. He, he, his words have meaning because he actually did what he said, but the words themselves will just stir your soul because you're, you're on a parallel path of some sort to where that's resonating with you. And that's how we know him through his words. The power, like they say, in the beginning of the universe was a, was a vibration, or the, what the Christians say in the beginning was the word. That's probably what that's alluding to. It's, you know, it's vibration. It, that like they call it the om sound, but um, whatever it is, it's it. Words are a conveyance 
they're vibrational and they're um, conceptual. I write a lot about this because language, I think, has been hijacked as well. Yeah. And highly limited. We're, our, the words have been butchered. The, the vocabulary has been reduced about 40%. Beautiful words with deep meanings are not there anymore. We're, you know, other languages, like they say in, in Greek, there's five words for love. In English, there's one. And it's supposed to work for everything. And uh, it doesn't. You have, you have to describe it in other ways to try to bring more depth to it. Or if you listen to Native American languages, that they're so tonal and deep and simple and they, they, they use illustrations with nature and it just it conveys so much more spirit whereas the, the english language has just been you know hogtied but that's something that people need to learn to you get their language there's wonderful tools on the internet to increase our vocabulary but it's not just that it's learning to use um words to truly represent truth truly represent what you what you really want to say in your heart and your spirit and um, that's what's so beautiful about music. I love music too, and I like to play and, and sing. It, it, anyway, yeah, words are powerful stuff. Well, what you've There's, just said is, uh, is absolutely fascinating, Zen, and it spring, what springs to mind is the antithesis of that, both words and um, figureheads and, I suppose, personality. Barack Obama keeps coming to mind because, for me, his election campaigns were about... I mean, it was the emperor with no clothes. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's the way I certainly would perceive it. Uh, there's very little beneath the surface. He had this glossy exterior. His words were as vacuous as you could possibly imagine. He spoke about change, but he never said what he, what he was going to change. He spoke about hope, which, depending on what way you look at it, can be a dangerous thing or it can be nothing at all. And all people saw was that surface dressing. And there was no language to back up. And we've seen there have been no actions to back up anything um, in, in the subsequent seven or eight years. But he's the antithesis of what you're talking about. And I, I think there's a, an absolute ring of truth in what you're speaking about. And so many other languages, particularly Eastern languages, you mentioned Greek, not being Eastern, but they have multiple words for what we have in English, one word for. And quite often people have difficulty articulating themselves and there's this propensity to abbreviate everything now particularly in youth culture in the west and people aren't speaking with words in a lot of cases now the teenagers coming through they're, they're speaking in abbreviations and we have text speak and we've this that and the other and people say get over it john it's 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 just language evolving yes it is language evolving but i think it's a forced evolution i think it's an evolution by design and i don't think it's necessarily a positive thing at all Oh, absolutely not. It's think about it. it the spirit of this new language is is complete shallowness. There's there's no depth. You know, LOL. You know, BFF. Uh, they're 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 microbursts of information that you can't even after you get it, you can't even uh, disassemble it into something meaningful. It mm. it gets narrower and narrower and narrower, and it's very sad to to the kids. It it's it's um. They they think it's fine and and um, fun, but but they don't realize that they don't have anything to compare it to. That's why the school system is so important for the social engineers to control and and to um, to um, to uh, you know the whole dumbing down process that education's become. The problem is this intergenerational ability of these social engineers to 
continually with each successive generation erase past references. This is where it's really dangerous. And um, they don't have anything to compare it to. They're even removing some of the classic books out of the libraries. They're out of the schools. They can't read some of these things. It's just like uh, that Fahrenheit 451. History is being rewritten. The language is the same thing. They're taking away the depth to where now it's just, and look how people talk. They, they don't even talk with conviction. Everything ends with a na, da na na, da na na na. Even when they're making a statement, it ends with like it sounds like a question. There's no authority in the language. There's no, you know, the, the common, the, what do you call it? The endearing, slow, uh, melodious interchanges. But that's why people in the old days, when they didn't have television, they sat around and grandpa told stories and he was fantastic at it and everybody laughed. Or that famous story I love, it talks about the Native Americans sitting around a fire and um, they're having a conversation, but the other, other uh, Native American couldn't see the other guy. He says, please come closer so I can see what you're saying. Because when you talk, you use your hands. Yeah. And it, it, the whole thing is this beautiful poetry. <laughs> so he said, come closer so I can see what you're saying. Brilliant. <laughs> I, I think it. that's really cool. But it's, it's, like, it's like that. Get closer, kids, so you can see what each other is saying. Get off your damn machine and get a real life and, and stop injecting this media into your brain. And, the, and then the, the, they'll say, oh, come on, get over it. You know, come on, dad, you, you just, you know. And yeah, when I was a dumb kid, I was a dumb kid too, in my own way. Mm. But uh, it's getting to the point where um, it's extremely toxic and dangerous. But I, I like what you said, you know, it's going to reach a point, they're going to go, you know what, this isn't doing it. I'm going, you know, and people are doing that. How many people are going out and, and just living in the country, they're, they don't even have a television now. They're setting up communities. I mean, beautiful things. Where I'm, I'm at, there's a, I'm in the middle of, of, uh, of a rinky-dink country, and you know, we've always wanted to do like an earth bag house. Okay. And sure enough, we're, we're going around the area, and there's somebody building one. And you know, we'd expect that in the states. Maybe we didn't know it'd be here where we are, but it was so encouraging. If people are moving. There's an organic process to get away from all this shallow tension, and uh, I think that's to me that's one of the most thrilling things to watch. It is thrilling, and it's also very difficult for a lot of people. And one of the questions I often ask guests who touch on the control system and how to break free from it is. For the average person who might be living in the city and has a nine-to-five job or doesn't have a job at all and they've got a house full of kids and a lot of stress and this, that and the other is going on, they're thinking, right, well, it's all very well. I can't just pack up and leave. What would be your suggestions then to get your foot on the ladder, get that first rung up there for people who want to make an active change, who get what we're talking about and get what you're saying, but they're not really sure how to begin their journey? Wow. Well, as you know, there's no set answer to any of this, but each person has to, um, I, what I say almost enigmatically at the end of almost every article is, you know, get conscious. So once you do, then you'll know what to do. Mm. It's, it's, um, but there are little steps. I believe everybody in their heart, if they're honest with themselves, they've got a nudge. There's something that says, well, at least do this. Well, come on, get, get the junk out of your house. Even Feng Shui will tell you that. You got junk in your house and storage, give it away, sell it. It's bad for your soul. Don't own a bunch of shit. The stuff, you don't own stuff, stuff owns you, period. That's how it works. End of story. 
the less you can own, the better. Or if you do own it, know that you don't own it. Keep, keep it separate in your, from your soul. But get rid of stuff. Get, get out of the, I mean, people who haven't gotten out of the banks or gotten their savings out of the bank or their retirement out of whatever they're in or out of the stock market are, are insane. You know, get it out. If you can afford something, get some silver and gold or, or definitely get food. But make a move. I mean, just get your food prices. If this thing happens in Syria and let's say Iran jumps in, well, the Straits of Hormos are going to shut. The, the, Egypt already said they're going to shut the Suez Canal. When oil does not move, the price of oil will hit $400 a barrel. Everywhere, prices are going to skyrocket. The gas will go to six bucks. That's the least of it. Everything plastic is going to go up. Every food, every, every bit of, every, um, every, every, anything transported is going to go up. Mm-hmm. If, if truckers can even afford to still work, it's going to hit like nothing else. And th- this is very real. And we hope it doesn't, but the, it better prepare as if it is. Or we're, we got our, we're like an ostrich with our head in the sand. So get food. You won't be able to buy food at this price for very, very much longer. Stock up. Um, that's one thing. Get water supply. Move in that direction. Even if people just do that, all of a sudden something kicks in. You've probably seen that with people. Holy cow. Yeah. I'm, act, I'm acting as if this might happen. Therefore, I believe this might happen. Therefore, this might happen. Yeah. Therefore, I need. I do need to get ready. It starts to break the crust, this crud that's that's got everybody's consciousness crammed into this. You know, like it's just this this ugly bag of bullshit. They've got to bust out. And practical steps are always the best to start. But definitely get rid of stuff. You know, and, and give it to someone who needs it, or sell it and get use the money for food. But so many people. There's so many places to start. It, I got to admit, though, it took us. Um, when we when we lost everything, we had quite a bit of stuff to liquidate, and it was it was great getting rid of it, and we got to help all of our kids, and we got to lay aside a little bit of money. But getting out of accounts and and um, um, bank stuff, and um, you know when you've got loans, and then people are coming after you, and you're you realize how entangled you are to whatever level is too much. You know, like they say the. The bum underneath the bridge can be as attached to his cardboard box as the rich guy to his house on the hill. Yeah. That, 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 it's an it's a element of the heart, the attachment. So number one is learn how to detach by getting rid of stuff and letting go, letting go of things. Detachment is the key to becoming conscious. And that means, it means a lot of things. It detach from bad relationships, uh, obligatory ones that you really don't need. You're not helping them. They're not helping you. Nobody's gaining. Detach, mm. which happens naturally when you wake up anyway because – People can't, can't stand being around you because all you ever talk about is something meaningful and they want to talk rubbish. But uh, I would say that's something practical people could do today. You know, get rid of the junk. Um, help somebody else get rid of their junk. You know, you've always walked by the old guy. You know he doesn't have enough food in his house. Take him some food. You know, respond to things you've been told to do already and, and things start activating. That's about the best I can say. Because uh, it's it's not that difficult. It, life is pretty simple, like you're saying. It's it's, and people just get started. They say, like Lao Tzu says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And what that one step is, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just take it, get started, and be you know, be be encouraged because you will be really fast. 
I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Zen, it's been fabulous speaking to you today. Wonderful advice, a wonderful chat. No doubt we'll do it again. And thank you for joining me on Alchemy Radio. Oh, thanks, John. It was a lot of fun. Lots of love to all your listeners and uh, all the best to you. We've got crazy times ahead, but I'll tell you what, it's a great time for waking up and doing the right thing. And for those who want to wake up a little bit more, give us your website details so people can check you out on a daily basis. Okay, it's zengardner.com. And gardner is spelled G-A-R-D-N-E-R.com. And jump in, have, have fun, and uh, drop, a, drop a note in the comments. Say hi. And uh, enjoy the community there. A lot of nice people. Alchemy Radio.
Hopefully you've enjoyed this week's episode of Alchemy Radio. Remember, we're relying on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising-free format, and we're extremely grateful for any help you can offer. We've no fixed cost on the donations and every little helps. So, for example, if you can spare even the price of a cup of coffee, as I'm so fond of saying every month, this will go a long way towards keeping us afloat. Our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance is hugely appreciated. And thank you to everybody who has donated over the last couple of weeks. Our next guest is Henrik Palmgren from Red Ice Radio in Sweden. And he'll be talking about Sweden, the Nordic model and how it relates to the control system And we've a very interesting conversation ahead. So from myself, producer Stevie and all the crew at Alchemy Radio, until the next time, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Alchemy Radio. Alchemy Radio. Analyze. Alchemy Radio. Conceive. Alchemy Radio. Believe. Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in?